Let us go to the book of Luke. Book of Luke. We're happy to be here tonight. My, my, my. I don't know who all may be watching online. I don't know who all this may fit, but I know this. It's going to be the mind of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's going to be the mind of the Lord. One time years and years ago, Brother Holly was the superintendent of Texas, and, and he called me one day and asked me if I would consider preaching an afternoon service in camp meeting, and I was pretty new in, in Texas district at that time, and I don't mind telling you, I, I told him I would do anything you want. If you want me to do that, I will do that. And so he said, yeah, and he gave me the date and the time, and I started sweating right there. <laughs> Thousands of people going to be there, people that I want to make friends out of, people that I want to go to heaven with. And I began to pray, and the Lord gave me a dream one night and showed me that camp meeting service. All those eyes looking at me and all those ears listening. And he gave me a message to preach. And he reminded me that there's times. The Bible said there was a time when the shepherd left the 90 and 9 and went looking for that one. He said, you can't always preach to the multitude. You've got to go looking for those that have wandered away. You've got to go looking for that one sometime rather than that crowd. And so I said, Lord, I will be submissive and obedient. I will preach exactly what you tell me to preach. And he gave me the scripture, gave me the title, gave me the whole message. And then to encourage me, he showed me the service. And there was a lady that came from way in the back coming down the aisle toward the altar, that camp meeting, and, and uh, people looking around and wasn't much movement, but that one lady was coming down that middle aisle, and she fell about 25 or 30 feet before she ever got to the altar and began to pray and began to speak in tongues. In a few minutes, I saw a man come down, and he fell down beside her, and they began to pray together, and in a minute, they were both speaking in tongues. And then I saw friends come up around them and begin to celebrate with them and rejoice with them, and others began to come to the altar. And before you know it, there were people all over the place praying, and, and the power of God began to move in a mighty way. And so... The day of that service came, and I went to the pulpit, and I wasn't a little nervous. I was a lot nervous. My tie was sweating. That's how nervous I was. <laughs> I said, Lord, I don't want to mess up. I want to do what you want. And so and with all of those people, it was not a message that was going to cause people to run the aisles. It was not uh, the old candy stick of Jesus' name and the power thereof. It was not anything like that. It was a simple message. But at the end of that service, I, I began to give an altar call and I began to look and nobody was moving. Nobody was seemingly stirred. And then out of the back, I saw that lady coming that I'd seen in the dream.
And she came just exactly like I saw it in the dream. She fell down on her knees and began to pray. And in a few minutes, the Holy Ghost fell on her and she began to speak in tongues. I saw that man coming and I saw him get down beside her and put his arm around her first. And then they joined hands and they began to pray and speak in tongues. And people began to come all around them and shout and dance and rejoice. And they got up and they rejoiced and praised God. And others began to to come to the altar and I said well Lord what exactly what you showed me is what happened I thought it was over I thought that was all of it two months later we were at home I was mowing my wife was in the house she come out on the porch this was before cell phones you had to go in and get a hold of it and you could only run so far before you run out of line anybody know what I'm talking about the phone was hanging on the wall. She said, baby, somebody's on the phone wants to talk to you, some lady. I don't know who she is. I went in, and this woman began to explain. She said, Brother Phillips, for years my husband and I have been involved in church work. We've been the superintendent of Sunday school. We've been youth leaders. We've been board members. We've been a secretary for the church. She said, we belong to a small assembly and we've done everything we could. But she said, it's been a couple of years ago now that we begin to get cold. We begin to be late for service. We begin to not worship as much. And she said, the next thing you know, we're, we're having some major fusses and fighting and carrying on. She said, and the next thing you know, she said, I never ever dreamed we would walk into a lawyer's office and talk to him about divorce. But we had already sat down and they had written out what I would get and what he would get and how we would distribute the monies and things. And she said, there was a day appointed that we were going to go and we were going to just finalize this whole thing. She said, but one day my husband came home from work and he came in the door and she said, we hardly spoke anymore. And he said, I, I would like to talk to you for a few minutes. She said, you know, he sat down at the table and I sat down and he said, uh, we've had a long life together. We've had children, we've had grandchildren, we've had friends, we've had, we've had a lot going. He said, but I remember way back when we were young that we made a promise to each other that we would never allow anything to split us up until we went to one more service. And she said, we sat there and we both cried some Nobody did any praying, but we cried, and we said, yeah, you're right. And she said, when do you want to go? And he said, well, I don't know who the preacher is, but I've looked at the schedule for camp meeting. I want to go to this afternoon service. And that was the service that Brother Holly had asked me to preach. She was the woman I saw coming down the aisle. He was the man that came down with her. Praise God. And she said, we prayed back through, kneeling in the middle of the aisle in camp meeting. She said, we came back that night and shouted and danced and talked in tongues. And we came back the next morning and we got involved again. Nobody else in the altar 
altar, but we went to the altar and we prayed some more. And she said, we've not missed one service since we got home. We're back involved in the house of God. We're praying together at night. Our children are getting stirred again. They had gotten away from God. Friend, don't ever, 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 ever discount one service in the house of God. Don't ever discount one. So we must be obedient. Tonight I'm going to be obedient. I'm not even going to look around and try to see who I'm preaching to. I'm going to preach to everybody in the building. Preacher, are you preaching to me? I am. I don't know your name. I don't know where you live, but yes, I'm preaching to you. I'm trying to find something in your spirit that I can pull the Word of God into and can bless you and you can go home stronger than you were when you came. Praise God. I'm going to try to influence your faith to believe God for healings and miracles. I'm going to try to get you to believe God for your children coming in and your neighbors coming in. I'm going to get you to believe God that he can make a difference financially, emotionally, maritally, whatever way you need in the house of God. Can we just lift our hands and love the Lord a minute? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you all for being here tonight. It is a beautiful day outside, and you could be doing a lot of things, but you came to the house of God, and for that I appreciate, but I, I, I'm like your pastor. I feel like God's going to do something special for you making your way here tonight. We love Brother and Sister Green, his mom and dad, his brother and his family. We, we love these folks, and the more we get to know about them, the more we love them. We're thankful that you're here, they're here We are excited about the future and what God's going to do here. I've had a dream already about God building satellite churches from this church, and one of them will be as large or larger than this home church. I know what God wants to do, and I want to see God do it. Amen? Praise God. I want to see the power of God manifest in an incredible way in this service. Praise God. Go with me to the book of Luke. Amen. Sister Lori's mom and dad are some of our dearest friends in the whole world. We love the Gandys. We love the Gandys. We love the Gandys. They're just precious people in our sight. And uh, we get to spend some time with them every once in a while. In the book of Luke, the 19th chapter, Luke 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. He's on his way out of town. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because of all the people, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, 
make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let me talk to you about a man with a shortcoming. Man with a shortcoming. Turn and tape your neighbor's hand and say, shortcomings shouldn't stop you from seeing God. Lord bless you, you can be seated. Jesus had passed through Jericho. And I've thought a lot about it. There's several mentions in the Bible of Jesus coming into Jericho, things he did in Jericho, and then going out of Jericho. And I remember when the children of Israel went into the promised land, Jericho was the first obstacle they ran into. At that time, it was a stronghold for false gods and false religion. It was, a, it was the first thing they had to overcome before they got to go into the depth of the promised land and receive the things God had given to them. And, and I, I began to think about how they marched around the walls. And, and for days they marched around the walls. And then the last day they marched around the walls and then they shouted. And the walls came down, praise God. But sometimes there's a lot more marching than it is shouting. But if you don't do the marching, you won't do the shouting either. I thank God that he gives us promises and then we just got to keep on marching until the promise gets there, praise God. We got to get to that point, that place where God wants us to be that the power is poured out. So they did and then uh, the history of Jericho going through the years and what all happened and here Jesus is, God manifest in the flesh and he's walking through Jericho. And I know he had to remember the victory that came, how they had to rebuild that place because the walls fell and the houses fell. And I remember how there was a lady and her family living on the top of that wall. Up up there, all these houses were built into the wall structure itself. And when the wall fell, because they had obeyed the voice of God, God's hands wrapped around that one apartment and they were let down softly to the ground rather than being destroyed when the walls fell. That one lady and her family, praise God, who later would become a or, or an ancestor of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand, obedience gets deliverance when nobody else gets anything. Amen. But Jesus is walking through the city. And by now, people have heard of his healings, his miracles. They've heard about all the things he's doing and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. And when I start reading about Zacchaeus, I, I, it doesn't take long till I understand that he was not a popular guy. Zacchaeus was not well liked. 
Not many people want to buddy up with the tax man. Not many folks want to buddy up with somebody that's come to take your money away. He was a publican. A publican is not the same as a Republican. We saw a car today coming over here and sitting at the red light, and on the back of it, it had this logo and this, this writing that said, my cat is a Republican. <laughs> I would like to chase them down and ask them, what do you mean anyway? I don't know what you're meaning by that. But a publican is somebody that is trained to work for the government to take your money and give it to the government. Now, once he learns how to take your money and rather than giving it to the government to keep it, he becomes a Republican. No. He was a tax collector, and he is very well, very good at it. He was rich. Bible said he was rich, he was a publican, and he was a little short guy. He had a shortcoming. But he heard about Jesus. He heard people describe things he had done. He heard people talking about miracles and healing, eyes opening and blind. He was a man that strictly lived by numbers. It had to, it had to make sense. Three and four had to make seven every time. Four and four had to make eight every time. That's how his life was. And he was hearing things that was not computing in his life. He never saw blind eyes open. He never saw a dead man raised. He never saw demons cast out. And he were hearing these people tell him, well, Jesus is doing this and Jesus is doing that and Jesus is doing something else. And who better than the tax man understands that people don't always tell the exact fact. The tax man understands that sometimes folks tell a thing one way when it's really the other way. And people get in trouble by trying to convince the tax man. This man had heard about Jesus. He heard other people's stories, but his nature was such that he had to prove it for himself. And so he heard that Jesus was going down a certain highway, a certain avenue. And he went down there to see for himself what was going on. What is it about this man, Jesus? What is it that he's doing? What, what does he look like? And, and, you know, I don't know if you've ever noticed it before, but the most important man in history, we have no descriptive terminology of how he looked. Bible simply says he's not really good to look at. He, he's not an outstanding soldier. He's not a big, broad-shouldered man. Never gives any description of that. We know he probably had gnarly, bruised, calloused hands because he was a carpenter. He grew up being a carpenter, praise God. We know that he probably might not have wore the best clothes because the carpenters were not the rich folks. That was the tax collectors, praise God. We don't hear a lot about Jesus, although he is the one that everything in human history hinges upon. We just don't hear about him. 
But this man wanted to know what is it about Jesus? What is it about that name? What is it about his ability? How does he speak to the blind and get them to see? How does he speak to the deaf and get them to hear? Praise God. How does he reach down? Does he touch a lame leg and it stretches out? How does this all work? Praise God. I'm just going to tell you there's a hunger circulating in my world today. There's a lot of people that have been told you don't speak in tongues. And now they're hearing that thousands upon thousands are meeting and praying for hours and hours and hours. And many of them are speaking in tongues. Many of them are actually getting healed, praise God. Because there are people who have been taught and have been trained and told that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. There's a lot of those people with good hearts that have been told part of the truth but not all of the truth, praise God. And they're coming by hundreds, they're coming by thousands trying to understand what is going on. Praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord. I remember how it was with me when I came to the Lord. Somewhat like Zacchaeus. I was going to a certain kind of church. Matter of fact, I was licensed to preach in that denomination. Most of the ones in that denomination do not believe in tongue talking. They don't believe. They may believe in healing, but they've never seen one. They may believe in demons being cast out, but they wouldn't know where to start. There's a lot of things in the Word of God they have been told, but it's just never happened in their midst. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's a beautiful thing when you come into a sanctuary like this where there's an agreeance in the minds of people. There's an agreeable spirit in the place that if you seek God, you'll find God. If you want the Holy Ghost, you can have the Holy Ghost. If you want to receive the power to speak in tongues, it can happen in your life, brother. I'm just going to tell you, it's hard. I have prayed with people before in the back of our building, in that church, for them to receive the Holy Ghost, and they never received it. I I looked at it later and I understood there was just a conflicting of the spirits in that place. There was was some people saying, no, 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 they're not going to speak in tongues. No, 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 you're not going to have healing. No, 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 you're not going to the altar. You're just going to walk down here and believe. You're just going to walk down and shake the preacher's hand. You're going to write your name on the roll and you're going to be able to vote in the election. I'm so glad that I finally learned that I needed my name written in the Lamb's book of life. I needed it written by the blood. Oh my Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. I needed something more than a handshake. I needed something more than just a nodding of the head. I went to work with some guys and they began to tell me. At first we kind of knocked heads because they wanted to argue And to be very honest with you, I didn't have enough ammunition to come to the fight. I I didn't have any argument for them. We do that a lot of times. We get to talking to people and we let it get into an argument. And because they have no ammunition, it becomes a personal thing then. 
I've seen it happen in debates. One side's got all the ammo. The other side doesn't have any ammo. And so they begin to talk about how one clothes look or one's hair looks or something. Get totally away from discussing Scripture and get into things that don't matter at all. But I want you to understand God got a hold of their heart and begin to talk to them and tell them, don't argue with the man. Feed him. And we would work on that all, Derek, and around that all rig. And then when we sat down for lunch, instead of arguing, they begin to tell me about God filling somebody with the Holy Ghost. Somebody in the hometown that I knew, that I knew had lived a hard life. They begin to tell me how John came to the altar the night before. And before you know it, he's speaking in other tongues and shouting all over the front of the building. And they told me about a man that came and he was blind and they laid hands on him. And before he left there that night, he was seeing perfectly, praise God. Brothers and sisters, I didn't want to argue I wanted to know what is it about this? Why are you seeing that and we never see that? We go to church as often as you do. There's a lot of people in my world that live good lives. You're not going to go to heaven on being good. You can't live holy enough to get to heaven on how good you are. Your righteousness is like filthy rags. You've got to be, you've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Father, oh my Lord. And then you've got to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Anybody here believe that? I know you do, praise God, and because of where you're sitting. But there are people outside these walls. There are people in other buildings. And there are people that are studying their Bible that you can't beat long enough to get them to lie to you. You can't pay enough to get them to commit adultery. You can't do anything and make them mess up with God. The relationship they have, as little as it may actually be, they value that and they're not about to do anything they're not going to say anything. They're not going to do anything that would upset God toward them, praise God. But they've been told so many things that are just not biblically true. Zacchaeus said, and the Bible said it, he wanted to see Jesus for who he was. I want to see him how he really is. I want to understand the truth of the matter. I want to understand all of this. I don't want to just have a little piece here and a little piece there. I don't want to just be told, just believe. No, no, no. There's some receiving that goes along with believing. And when you get enough believing inside you, brother, you're going to start receiving. When your faith gets up to the point where God reaches down and touches you, it's not going to be just, well, John said or Joe said. No, I want to know for myself. I want to know for my own heart, what is it like when God, touches your body. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, let's lift our hands and love the Lord a minute.
There's a hunger, there's a hunger, there's a hunger. And Zacchaeus had it. I want to see him for who he is. I want to understand the truth of this matter. I know what that lady said. I know what that man said. I know what I've seen in their life. I know what I've seen in their family. I understand that, but what would it be like if God touched me? What would it be like if I felt the hands, that, oh, my Lord, that they nailed to that whole tree? What would it be like if the heart of God that I've read about in the Word of God, if the love of God could be poured into my heart, what would it feel like, praise God? And I went looking. Just like Zacchaeus, I went looking. I, I wanted to know. what. I asked my wife. She went to church all her life. I didn't. I wasn't raised in church. And I asked her, baby, what, what is it about the Holy Ghost? She said, I don't know. We don't receive the Holy Ghost. You know, the, since the devil's such a liar, When I first started wanting to know about the Holy Ghost, he said, you don't need the Holy Ghost. Then, brother, after I got a little more understanding, he said, well, you've already got the Holy Ghost. I said, when did I get it? When you believed. I said, but wait, the things that happened to these folks in Acts didn't happen to me. I didn't receive the Holy Ghost and speak a tongue. What do you mean I've already got it? And then after I received the Holy Ghost, you know what he said then? That wasn't really God. The devil's such a liar. Anybody ever heard those lies? Oh, you don't need it. No, 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 it's not for you. Oh, you already got it. No, that wasn't it. Praise God. I want you to understand I had to nail it down. I had to know what is it like. Is it real? How does it feel? How do you get it? How do you receive it? I want to know how do I get from here to there. Praise God. So I went. Zacchaeus the Bible said, couldn't see. He was short of stature and everybody around him was tall. And the Bible said there was a press. There was a press. There was a group of people all around the Lord, all along the highway. There were people. Is your camera able to follow me? They're just going to be looking at an empty stage. Okay. Good deal. I just want to make sure I wasn't leaving people at home looking at an empty stage for 30 minutes. I like to get out here among the folks. I get closely where I can look at your eyes. Praise God. But brother, they were all along the streets, and Zacchaeus is a little short guy. And he's trying to see over and trying to, and they won't let him. They knew he was a publican. They knew he was rich. Get out of the way. Get on the way. Get up, go on away from here. Leave us alone. Jesus is coming. I want to see too. Hey, I want you to understand when you get hungry enough, when you get hungry enough, you'll come out of denominations. You'll come out of sororities. You'll come out of covens full of witches. Praise God. We have prayed them through. We prayed through witches and warlocks, baptized them in Jesus' name. I was in revival one time in the pastor's office. Phone rang. Secretary answered. In a minute, the intercom said, Pastor, there's a man on the phone to talk to you. 
pastor picked up the phone and said, yes, this is the pastor. Yes, we're in revival. Yes, people are receiving the Holy Ghost. You're going to do what? How many? He looked at me and said, this guy says he's a warlock over a whole bunch of other warlocks and witches. And if we don't shut this revival down, he's going to bring a thousand warlocks. I said, get the chairs ready. We ain't shutting nothing down because of a witch or a warlock. We're not running afraid of anybody that's full of spirits that are out of hell. We're not quitting because they don't like it. We're going to have more revival. We're going to have more shouting. We're going to talk in tongues more, praise God. Woo! My, 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 that's what I like to feel. Praise God. We got what you need. And we had some that came. And we baptized them in Jesus' name. And they got full of the Holy Ghost. And they said, that's a bunch of garbage back out there. This is real power. Oh, friend, I want you to understand something. We don't have to make up tales. We can tell you the truth about what God can do. I said, we can tell you the truth about what God can do. Zacchaeus got hungry. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. Sometimes there's a press right before you get to where God is. When you start having revival, used to when I was pastoring, right before revival, we would have a night. We just, a Wednesday night, I would take a Wednesday night. I'd say, okay, we're getting ready for revival. Evangelist is going to be here Sunday. I just need to go over a few things. Your wife has never burnt the biscuits, but she's about to burn them. Your dog has never got out and chased the mailman, but he's about to get out and chase him down the road. Your children have never gotten in trouble in school, but you're going to get a letter from the principal. There's going to be all kinds of aggravating mess going on in your life. Your boss has never given you a hard time, but he's going to call you in and set you down and chew you up and chew you out for something you didn't do. Just nail it down. Get ready. Revival's coming. We're going to be praying people through the Holy Ghost. We're going to be shouting. We're going to be dancing. We're going to be talking in tongues. Praise God. But we're not stopping because of the press. We're not stopping because of stuff. We're not stopping because people get aggravating. No, somebody ought to clap your hand to the Lord. We're not, we're not backing up. We're not backing down. We're pressing through, praise God. Zacchaeus, what are you going to do? Go home? No, I'm hungry. What are you going to do? Go sit down on a park bench and pout? No. This man said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use my shortness to my advantage. Years before the Lord looked at that road, he said, there's going to be a little short man trying to get to see me on this road one day. Might have been 150 years before. Might have been 100. I don't know. But Jesus said, I'm going to take this sycamore seed and I'm going to plant it right here. 
And I'm going to nourish that tree. I'm going to send water to it. I'm going to send sunshine to it. I'm not going to let anybody cut it down because one day there's going to be a man so hungry, he's willing to get out on a limb. He's willing to get up a tree. He's willing to do whatever he's got to do to get to where he can see me. And I'm going to make it easy for him. Praise God. Hey, don't think it's coincidence. I'm not much on coincidence. I'm much on the will of God. I'm much on the foreknowledge of God. I'm much on God knowing 40 years before he was needed that Joseph was needed. 40 years before he was needed, he was born, praise God. God's foreknowledge said, I got to prepare. I got to get somebody ready. I got to have somebody available, praise God. When, they, when the Jews need him, he's going to be in place. He's going to go a roundabout route to get there. But all the things that happened in the, in the pit, sold out to his uh, neighboring country, auctioned off like a cow. All that time, the Bible said God was with him, praise God. God was with with Joseph, bringing him to a place where he could ascend into leadership in Egypt to spare the lives of the Jews. Lift your hands and thank God for his foreknowledge. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. What works for others may not work for you. The way some come to God, it may not at all work for you. You may have to come a totally different route. You may have to do something different. Bro, in 48 years, I've seen people get the Holy Ghost in all kinds of situations. I've seen them pray all kinds of prayers. I've seen them get in some crazy, contorted places to get God in their life. I've had to go to the hospital and pray for them. Because they had, to, they had to have something that made them think they were losing their life before they would give their heart to God. Sometimes God has to take you down a rough road to get you to a place you don't ever want to leave from. Sometimes God has to take you through a hard time to get you to a place where you accept the blessings of God and accept the power of God and accept the truth of God. Sometimes God has to deal with people in a little bit of a hard way. But you got to understand God's here to save us, not to make us rich. He's more concerned with your soul than he is your body. He's more concerned with you going to heaven than he is you being a president. He's more concerned with our eternity than he is our present, praise God. Somebody needs to understand God is working right now to save, to salvage every person that goes by on that street out there. The Spirit of God wants every one of them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. The way I got the Holy Ghost, I don't know of anybody else that went that route. But that's the way I had to go. I, I, I have literally watched people. I've got a friend of mine that, that came to church and he was, he had, been, he had been in the church one time. He backslid away. He started coming back and people naturally started going wanting him to come to the altar. They knew it was a backslider. But Shelby wasn't ready. 
he had some things he had to work out in his mind. So folks would go and say, come on, brother, let's go pray. He'd just stand there, hold on to that pew and shake his head. I went back to him one night, put my arm around and said, come on, brother, let's go to the altar. I'll pray with you. He shook his head. No, I said, well, let's just pray right here. He shook his head. No. A couple of nights later, he and myself and another man standing outside the building talking. And the pastor come walking out. And he walked over and he said, Shelby, could I have a word with you? And he said, well, certainly, certainly I'll be more than happy. They walked over to the other corner of the building. They stood there talking for a while. Shelby told us later what the pastor said to him. This man was greatly used of God. He said, Shelby, on this date, and he told him the exact date two years earlier, you drove to New Iberia and you took this many ounces of cocaine and you spent the night with the family at this address, sold them the cocaine, spent the night with them, got up the next morning and drove home. He said, a year later, and he gave him the date, you went to New Orleans and you picked up and told him how much drugs he picked up. And you drove back to Bastrop, Louisiana. And you dropped it off. And this is how much money you brought back with you. And he told him the third time. He said on this date and gave him the exact date. You drove this kind of vehicle over to a person's house and told him where the house was, what color bricks it had. He said, you spent the night with them. Y'all smoked dope all night long. You popped pills. The next morning when you finally woke up, you drove back home. You went off the road on this side. You went off the road on that side. The angels were clearing traffic ahead of you. He said... That Shelby got white in the face. He said, Pastor, how in the world can you know all this? The dates and the places, the addresses. He said, Shelby, God told me to come and tell you that he knew exactly what you'd been doing. He knew exactly when you did it, and he still loves you. He knew how bad you'd been. He knew what you said. He knew what you did, but he still wants you to go to heaven. He still got a mansion with your name on it. He still got a gift waiting on you. Oh, the next morning, Shelby. Oh, it was a couple nights later. Shelby went to the altar. He prayed and almost prayed through, but he didn't quite pray through. The next morning, Shelby was a great gardener. He loved growing vegetables and giving them to people. He walked out, Brother Green, the next morning into his garden, had a cup of coffee in his hand, and he's standing at the gate of his garden thanking God for the tomatoes, thanking God for the cucumbers, thanking God for the squash, and started talking in tongues. I'm telling you, God knows how. And the way it works for somebody else, it may not work for you. But if you're hungry, it's not going to matter. You'll do whatever you got to do to get God in your life. You'll do whatever you got to do to get those sins taken away, praise God. You read about it, how the blood totally takes the sin away. Everything you said, everything you thought, everything you did, gone in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The blood takes it all away. 
You've heard about it, but you want to know about it. Oh, we got to lift our heads and love him. I feel the Holy Ghost right now talking to somebody, talking to somebody. I think I might have told you this, but one time I was in my study at my church in my office and I was praying. It was on a Wednesday. We had church on Thursday night. But on a Wednesday about noon, I'm in my church office and I'm praying. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And he said, that phone's going to ring in a minute. It's going to be Norris Poole. He pastored, he told me what church he pastored, I already knew, I'd been there and preached before. He said, he's going to ask you if you can come preach for him tonight. You tell him, yes, you go and you preach this message. There'll be a man there with a red mustache. He's already repented at home. He's already asked forgiveness. He's already cried. He's already prayed. But tonight, he's going to walk through that back door and sit down. And when you get the altar call, he'll be the first one in the altar. Don't bother trying to get him to repent. Just lay hands on him, and he's going to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. My phone began to ring. I picked it up and said, Brother Poole, how you doing? We didn't have caller ID. This was the old time phones. He said, how would you know it was me? I said, God just told me you were fixing a call. You want me to come preach for you tonight and I'm coming. He told me what to preach. told me there's a guy that's going to be there that's already repenting at home and he's going to get the Holy Ghost. I didn't mention anything about the red mustache. I'm glad I didn't because he would have told me I don't have anybody with a red mustache. And the devil would have attacked. But I went that night and I'm excited. Man, I am excited. Wouldn't you be excited if God said, go to this place and drop a minna in and a 10-pound bass will bite it? That's the way I felt. I walked in that night and I'm looking all around. I knew when I'd been there before there was no red head, no red mustache, no red nothing. There was none there that night. I went in the back and I prayed a while. Oh, God, you told me. Oh, God, where's he at? Where's he at? Where's that? Went back out front. He's still not there. Church starts. They're singing. They're having a good time. And I'm over here clapping my hands, and I'm looking. Bible said, watch and pray. I was doing both, praying and watching. Don't let anything stop him. Don't let anybody hold him back. Don't let him have a flat tire. Don't let anybody run into him. God, let the angels protect him on the way here because the devil will wreck him if he gets a chance. I walked to the pulpit and the back door opened and a fellow with a red mustache come walking in. Walked down to the second pew right there. I preached my little message. I gave the altar call and he hit the altar. I walked over him, Brother Green. I said, look, you've already repented. I know you have. Let's just get up on our feet and let's lift our heads. And when I lay hands on you, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. That's exactly what happened, brother. He lifted those heads and God filled him with the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, let's love the Lord a little bit. Let's praise Him in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
We moved to Monroe, Louisiana. I went to work for a fellow named Billy Wade. Billy was a good old Baptist boy. Him and his brother owned a construction business his father had once owned. We started working, and I, we became friends. And one day, we're on the job, and Billy rolls up. And he got out, and he had everybody on the job side a honey bun and a ROC. We were all happy to sit down with the boss and eat a honey bun and drink a ROC. Billy walked over to me and said, can I, can I visit with you a minute? And I said, well, sure. We walked over kind of to the side. I didn't have a clue what was going on. He said, do you know anything about devils? I said, I know a lot more than I want to know about them. What do you need? He said, last night my wife and I had gone to bed. And we looked over in the corner of our bedroom. We had the light turned off and we are getting ready to go to bed. I looked in the corner of our bedroom and there's something huge standing in the corner of my bedroom. He said, man, you know, we go to church every Sunday and we've heard about demons and we've heard about casting them out. We've heard all that, but we've never seen it and it's scared. He said, all we need to do is pull a cover up over our head and pray. He said, what can you tell me? Every day, Billy would come in the morning about 9 o'clock and bring everybody a honey bun and a Coke. He'd come back at 2 o'clock and bring everybody a honey bun and a Coke. And he would have me to sit down and everybody ever sit down and he would start asking questions about the Holy Ghost. We got nine fellas here from about four or five different religions and some non-religion. But the boss is asking questions and I'm answering. He's got a, I've got a captive audience that he's paying. I went to him finally and said, Billy, you got to quit this. He said, what? I said, man, we're spending 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening. You're, you're bringing everybody coats. You're bringing everybody honey buns. We're sitting down. I said, that's nine people an hour each that you're paying that are just listening to me. He said, who signs the check? You do. He said, eat the honey bun and tell me what I want to know. We had a fire at our church, burned up part of the kitchen, part of the classrooms. Billy brought his crew over and helped us clean it up and helped us get it rebuilt. He bought a whole bunch of air tools and, and, and all kinds of saws and left them there for us to use to rebuild our church. So, brother, what's Saturday? Well, let me back up. I was at home one night. My wife was in the living room. I'm at the kitchen at the, at the dining table. And all of a sudden, the Lord gave me a vision. I saw Billy come down to the altar in our church, get down on his knees. He's six foot eight. Raise him to go long arms up and start talking in tongues. I fell out on the floor. I just started kicking and laughing and carrying on. My wife said, what in the world is wrong with you? I said, I just saw the answer to my prayers. I just saw Billy get the Holy Ghost in our church. Praise God. She wasn't sure what to do. She said, well, thank the Lord. So anyway, Saturday comes. Billy said, hey, I'm going to come work with you tomorrow at your church. I said, you are? He said, yeah, but I got to leave at 5 o'clock because my wife has bought tickets already for a singing, and she's going to be mad if I don't make it. 
So all day long, we walked around there at the church. We looked at things. We talked. Pastor came by, and Billy talked with him a while, and other people came, talked to them a while. About 5 o'clock, I said, hey, Bill, you better go. Belinda's going to be really mad. He said, okay, I'll go in a minute, and he's popping that nail gun. 30 minutes passed. I said, Billy, you got to go. She'll never let you come back over here again. He said, okay, I will in a minute. Finally, about 6.30, he's already too late. He gave me some wisdom that day. He said, if you're a little bit late, your wife will be mad. If you're a lot late, she'll be worried. <laughs> okay, that was free. I said, Billy. He said, it's too late now. I said, and, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me. I said, you know what? I need to show you something. He said, you need to show me. I said, yeah, in the building. Come here. Let me show you something. I led him up to that place. No carpet on the floor. We'd had to rip it all out. Pews are all, I don't know what they were doing with them, but there was a place right there at the altar. There was plywood piled up there. We were remodeling the whole thing now. I said, Billy, you know what I saw right there the other night? He said, what? I said, I saw you fall down on your knees and throw your hands in the air and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. He said, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. He said, I haven't ever, I've never been on my knees at that altar. I said, Billy, God showed it to me by faith. I've already shouted about it. I've already celebrated it. I've already had a good time over it. One day, and it may not be today, but one day, and I heard something go whop. I looked, and he's on those knees, and the hands are up in the air. And I watched when he began to wave like a leaf in the wind, and the power of God filled him with the power of the Holy Holy Ghost, he began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Praise. Oh, my Lord, somebody ought to love him. Somebody ought to love him. I'm telling you about a God that knows how to do it. Praise God. Let's love him a little bit more. You got somebody in your life you've been talking to. You just wait till one day God gives you a vision and you see them receiving the Holy Ghost. It may be a month before it happens, but you see it happening, praise God. Oh, my. Woo, I feel the whole, let's give the Lord a wave offering. Let's give him a wave offering. Let's give him a wave offering. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We were in that same building about a month later. A friend of mine named Gary is cutting plywood with a circular saw. And it's making all kinds of racket. And all of a sudden in the middle of that racket, I heard a voice screaming, help, help, help. I don't want to die. Help. I went tearing out of the church Ran outside, there was a motel over there, I looked over there, I couldn't see anybody. I went all the way around, I couldn't see or hear anybody. Finally went back in the building, and Gary said, man, where did you go? You took off like a bullet. I explained to him, I heard somebody scream. He said, how could you have heard it over the noise of this saw? I said, I can't tell you, all I know is I heard it. Five minutes later, Gary's cutting again, and I heard that same voice. 
I took off again out of the building, run all over the yard, looking around. Could, and finally I realized that was my brother I heard screaming. And he don't have the Holy Ghost. His wife does, but he don't. Brother, I went back inside and I told Gary, I'm going to be a little while. I'm going to be on the other end of the building, but, but I, I'm okay. I went down there and I told him what happened. I began to pray for my brother. And I began to fast for my brother and pray for my brother. And it well, about two weeks passed. And one night I called my mother. And I'm talking to her. My mother said, oh, I guess you knew your brother almost got killed. I said, no, Mom, I didn't know what happened. She said, well, you know, he's really into these CB radios. He's got a table full of those things, and he's got all kinds of chargers and everything. I don't know what it's all. She said the other day he was in the yard mowing and got all sweaty and went inside, and he has to reach over behind it to turn it on. And when he reached over behind it, he got his hand in the wrong place, and the electricity was shooting through him, burning the carpet on the floor under his feet. Busted the ends out of all his toes, out of his fingers. The doctor said the inside of his chest cavity looked like you'd gone down it with a serrated knife. Should have killed him dead, but it knocked him loose. They put him in the hospital. I went to see him in the hospital. I walked in. I closed the door. We stood there for a few minutes. I said, brother, I came to tell you something. You should have died. You should have died. But two weeks prior, God, and I told him the whole story. He got white as a sheet. He said, I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. He wasn't ready yet, but about 10 years later, or maybe a little longer than that, I preached a revival in our old home church, and my brother was sitting in the pew. And one Sunday morning, I preached about giving mercy a chance. And when I got through preaching, I just fell over on the pulpit, had my head down on my hands. I felt something and looked and there's my brother. I laid hands on him and God gloriously filled him with the power of the Holy Ghost. He should have died. Come on, let's love the Lord. Let's love the Lord. Let's love the Lord. What works for others may not work for you, but I'm telling you now, when you get hungry enough, when you get hungry enough, Zacchaeus said, it's going to look kind of crazy. I'm a businessman. I'm wealthy. I'm a tax collector. But the only way I know how to make this work is climb that sycamore tree. But I know Jesus is coming by this way. Brother, when you get hungry enough, you'll get yourself in whatever position you got to get in to get in a place where Jesus is coming through. I thank God that every service we have in this building, Jesus is coming, praise God. Every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you come in here praying, God's going to be here, Hallelujah. Holy Ghost is going to meet you here. Lift your hands and love the Lord again. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. A wealthy man. A tax collector. A businessman in town. Said, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks. You know what's tiring? You know what's frustrating? You know what's aggravating? To pray for weeks and fast and study the Word of God and get a message from the Lord and come and preach that message and then you got to coax people 
You got to beg people. You got to threaten people. Come on, man. Come on now. You just need to come down here and let God have his way. I've already done all the praying. I've done the heavy lifting. There's a gift waiting on you. The glory of God's waiting on you. Healing is waiting on you. It gets so frustrating. But, but you know what's beautiful, though? When you preach to somebody and they're hungry, they don't care what mama said. They don't care what daddy said. They don't care what husband said. They don't care what wife said. I want God. I want God. I want God. I want more of the Holy Ghost. I don't care what the boss said. I'm going to get God in my life. But the pastor said it a while ago. When you get out on a limb, when you go that extra mile, when you put yourself out to get to where he is and get to see Zacchaeus climbed out on a limb over the street looking for Jesus. You know what the next words he heard was? Zacchaeus, come out of that tree, son. I'm going to your house today. Hey, I'm telling somebody in this building, when you go out of your way, when you get out on a limb, when you get up a tree, whatever you got to do to get yourself to where Jesus takes notice of you. When you get to the place where I'll do anything I got to do to get God in my life, it's not going to be long. You're going to hear the voice of God. Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going home with you today. Somebody in this building tonight, you need to hear me. God's saying, I want to go home with you tonight. I want to go home with you today. I want to go to your house today. I want to go touch your children today. I want to go touch your wife today. You've gone out of your way. You've gone out on a limb. You've gone. People said you'd never do it, but here you are. Lift your hands and love the Lord right now. Lift your hands and love the Lord right now. I'm going to ask my musician to come. I'm going to close just a minute. I've preached all over the book and all kinds of stuff. Saturday night, last time I was here, it exploded over Saturday night. But it's not that same service. But I'm telling you, the same God's in this building. The same God is in this building. Zacchaeus, I don't care what people think of you, Zacchaeus. I don't care what people say about you, Zacchaeus. This is what the people said. That can't be right. Jesus is going to a sinner's house. Jesus is going to a sinner's house. Can I tell you that's where Jesus wants to go? God wants to get with anybody that's hungry. Hunger and thirst cause God to go way beyond. Hunger and thirst causes God to make extra basket full. Hunger and thirst causes God to make a well in the wilderness. Hunger and thirst moves God like nothing in this world moves God. God is moved when you're hungry for more of Him. God is moved when you're thirsty to be touched again. When you come to an altar, say, Lord, it's just been too long. I just want to be filled again. I want to be renewed again. I want the Holy Ghost all over me again. In Acts 2, they got full of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, when you do, you're going to get power. You're going to get power. 
Earlier he had told them, they that believe on me, as the scriptures has said, out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Not a trickle. No, 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 a river. Not dead water, living water, sparkling water, springing water. Out of their belly shall flow. I used to read that scripture and wonder how can it be? What is it like? When the Holy Ghost gets down in you and it's like a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. What's it like when it rolls out of you like a river flowing into everlasting life? What's it like when with joy you draw waters out of the well of salvation? What's it like to say the joy of the Lord is my strength? What's it like? What's it like? What's it like? First night I went to an apostolic service, I received the Holy Ghost. Pastor came and told me, if you'll come down here and repent of your sins and allow him, God, to fill you with the Holy Ghost and you'll speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I went with him down to that altar. But, bro, I didn't receive the Holy Ghost at the altar. I repented and people prayed with me and they encouraged me, did all they knew to do, but I didn't get the Holy Ghost at the altar. I don't know why, but I didn't. But when I, when I finally quit worshiping and opened my eyes, it's 11 o'clock at night and everybody's gone, but one couple sitting in the pew and the pastor and a couple of other guys in the back. Everybody left, but I was still hungry. Brother Green, something was still hungering down inside of me. I've heard about it. I used to ride my horse down into the swamp and tie him to an old tree and sit down by a cypress tree and cry, God, why can't I have what I read about in the Bible? Why can't I receive what I saw them get? Why can't I get what these guys on the job are getting? For months, for months, Ride my horse down in the woods so my wife wouldn't see me crying. Tie him to a tree and sit down by a cypress stump. I had one down there I sat by all the time. And I'd start crying. Oh, God, I, I just, I want to feel you. I want to know you. Oh, God, I want to see people's eyes open. I want to see the lame walk. God, I want to see people receive the Holy Ghost. God, I want to I know what it's like. I know you didn't leave, uh, love Peter and James and John anymore and you love me. How do I get there? How do I get there? I walked back in the back where that pastor was and those other men. I, I said, Pastor, he said, how do you feel? I said, I didn't get what you said I was going to get. I didn't get the Holy Ghost. I didn't speak in tongues. He said, let's go talk about it. We went into his office. I said, look, I've read the Bible. I said, I'm a preacher. I'm a licensed minister. I've read the Bible. I've studied the Bible. I've talked about it with people. I believe that there's somewhere, somehow, that you receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. But I don't know how to get from where I am to that place. I don't know how. He said, simplest thing in the world. You know, I think we complicate it way too much sometimes. 
I used to have an elderly gentleman used to come preach for me. I'd get to preaching or teaching Bible studies and get eight or ten people read for the Holy Ghost. And I'd call James Davis, Balk Springs, Texas. I'd say, Brother Davis, I need you for two nights. I got ten or twelve people need the Holy Ghost. Been in Bible studies, been in the altar. I, I need you to come. James Davis would come. He was a grandpa. He would walk up behind that pulpit, never break sweat, hardly just talking to people so sweet and sitting smiling and talking to them about the Holy Ghost, tell them about the Holy Ghost. And then he would say, anybody here that wants the Holy Ghost but never got it, come sit on these altars. I've never seen anybody do it quite like he did it. They would come. I'm talking people that I had preached to, some of them for weeks, they wouldn't come around that altar. But Papa preached and they would come sit on the altar. And brother, he would walk up to them and say, do you believe God wants you to have the Holy Ghost? Well, yeah. He said, then I just want you to ask God to forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong. He said, when you do, God's going to forgive you and the blood's going to cleanse you and there won't be anything between you and God. He said, all you got to do is just lift your hands. I'm just going to simply lay my hand on your head very gently and say, in Jesus' name, receive you the Holy Ghost. And every one of them would get the Holy Ghost. Every single one of them would just pray and ask God to forgive them, then lift those hands. Brother David simply lay his hands on and said, Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost. And one after another, school teachers, carpenters, bulldozer operators, it didn't matter what they were. They were hungry and they came and God filled them. I asked that preacher, how do I do it? How do I get there? He said, you simply ask God to forgive you of your sins. I said, look, I've been doing this for months. For months I've been doing it. In church I do it. At home I do it. I go down in the woods and sit down in the woods and ask God to cleanse me, to forgive me. He, I, I don't know what else to do. He said, do you believe he's forgiven? I said, I do believe. He said, good. I want you to just lift your hands and begin to thank him. However you feel like doing it. In your own way of saying it, start telling him how much you appreciate him, how much you love him. And he said, I'm just going to simply lay my hand on your head and say, in Jesus' name, receive you the Holy Ghost. And when I do, the next words that come out of your mouth, you're going to feel it. When it changes, you're going to feel your tongue when it starts forming the words differently. You're going to recognize the sound being different. And the natural inclination is to make it stop and go back to English. But when that happens, don't do it. Let it go. Let it sound however it wants to sound. He said, will you do that? I said, yes, I will. I lifted my hands, began to tell God, I'm so thankful, God. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you. And he laid his hand on me. In Jesus' name, the next words out of my mouth were the most beautiful language you ever heard. It was not gibberish. It was not some kind of crazy stuff. It was a beautiful language. And, and, and he had told me before, what you're saying is whatever's in your mind. Because I asked him, what am I going to be saying when I'm, if I don't know, understand what I'm speaking, what am I saying? He said, whatever's in your mind. If you're saying, I love you, Lord, it's going to be, I love you, Lord. 
if you were going to be saying, I thank you, Lord, what's coming out of your mouth going to be, I thank you, Lord. In Acts, the second chapter, when they received the Holy Ghost, the Bible said, we heard them speaking the wonderful works of God. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say when you speak in tongues. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say when you receive the Holy Ghost. It's going to be good stuff. It's going to be stuff coming from your heart going straight to God. It's going to be you telling God, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my home. I thank you for my job. I thank you for whatever. God, I praise you. I magnify you. However you want to say it. When he laid his hand on me, it began to flow. And it's been 48 years now. It's still flowing. It's still flowing. Why don't you lift your hands right now all over this building and just thank Him however you feel like thanking Him. Just thank Him for the Holy Ghost. Just thank Him for the Holy Ghost. Just thank Him for forgiveness. Just thank Him for dying for you. Thank Him for loving you. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Praise God. Oh, God, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for 52 beautiful years. I thank you for my two daughters. I thank you for my son-in-laws. I thank you for my five grandchildren. I thank you for friends. I thank you for family. I thank you for brothers. Thank you for, oh, God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Come on, lift your hands and thank Him. There's a beautiful spirit of thanksgiving all over this building. There's a beautiful spirit of thanksgiving all over this building. Stand with me all over the building, would you? If you're in this building tonight and you want more of God, you want more of the Holy Ghost, or you want the Holy Ghost, you, you've heard about it, you've seen it in others' lives, but you never had it in yours. There's a hunger drawing you. There's a hunger stirring your mind. There's a hunger that won't let you sleep at night. There's a hunger that won't let you get away from it. There's a thirst that's not nothing you've ever seen before. If you're here tonight and you want to feel Him, I want you to come right now but promise me this you'll do what God says do when God takes that tongue and begins to speak I want you to promise me you'll let it do what he wants it to do you'll let it do what he come on come on I feel the Holy Ghost talking to people you need renewing come tonight tell him Lord I want to be renewed in the Holy Ghost I want to be renewed in the Holy Ghost I want to be renewed in the Holy Ghost God I want to receive the Holy Ghost I want to receive the Holy Ghost come on if you want the Holy Ghost come right up here tonight lift those hands up and begin to talk to him Lord I thank you oh I thank you for the blood I thank you for the blood I thank you for the blood I thank you for the blood